Hey church, Pastor Greg here. Happy Sunday and happy 4th of July weekend. It's a little bit more somber of a celebration this year and I think that's okay. Uh, we've been shining a light on some of our nation's maybe darker shadows. And again, that, I, th I think that's healthy and good. My understanding of scripture is that every person on the planet has a shadow side. Every nation on earth has a shadow side. The church of Jesus Christ has a shadow side. What's important is that we own it, that we see it, that we, that we confess, we see and confess our shadow side. We sincerely repent of our shadow side. We, we make appropriate amends wherever needed when we see that. I hope we can do that as people, as a nation in the days to come. Nevertheless, this is a day to celebrate our democracy. Having said that, we have much to celebrate and be grateful for as a nation. I would only add that democracy re requires our, our active engagement. And please identify and research the strategic issues that you believe we're facing as a nation and vote your conscience in November. As a church, I can assure you that we won't be endorsing any political party or any political candidates. What I would encourage, though, is prayerful, humble dialogue about what our issues are and then encouraging one another to contribute to that. Again, healthy, humble, prayerful dialogue. That would be a great way for us to practice uh, reflective and patient listening. And we all could use a little more of that. We're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper today at the conclusion of the sermon. And so with all that said, please pray with me. Lord, we want to commit this time to you. And as I usually pray, I pray that you would be the primary teacher today. No matter what my words are, that you would speak to hearts and lives and that you would have your way in each of us. So we give this time to you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I used to play a game with my kids when they were younger, a lot younger, let's say between five and ten. And what would happen was if they heard the ice cream truck coming and they'd run in, you know, anxiety builds, and they want some money to get some ice cream, or perhaps we're playing a board game and there's Monopoly money or dice or something like that. And, and so when, when they'd want something and I had it, what I would do sometimes is pretend to fall asleep. And so I'd have whatever they wanted in my hands and I'd kind of go limp and, and fall asleep. And, and, and what we'd see is this, this giggling, this, this laughing as they crawled all over me while they were attempting to pry whatever they wanted out of my hands, money, dice, whatever it was. And those were really beautiful moments of giggles and joyful laughter and mutual longing. Um, they were longing for the things that I had in my hands. 
And, and I was longing for the closeness that I was experiencing, the innocence, the, 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 the wanting those fleeting moments of sheer joy just to last forever. And as I reflect on those times, um, they become a picture of the activity of prayer. We're sometimes so focused on the gifts in God's hand that, that we don't see the giver of those gifts. One person described it before as, as, as seeking the hand of God and not the face of God. We pray fervently for a new job or a return to health and God answers our, our prayers and when we gain the prizes, we're delighted. And oftentimes our focus turns to the prize and away from the momentary closeness of the good giver himself. And this is a primary focus for our prayer series, uh, learning to delight more in the giver than in the gifts. And so one of the first things we should notice about the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, is that it's strategically located right at the heart, the center of the Sermon on the Mount. It must be important. This prayer is curiously relevant. This is how we advertise it in the, in the e-news, and I just love this. I, I wish that I wrote it, but I didn't. I don't, I don't know where it came from. It was in my notes. Uh, th this prayer is curiously relevant to all people in every culture and life circumstance throughout history. It is a work of both literary and sacred genius. That's beautiful. The Lord's Prayer is best used as a model for prayer. We could think of it as a template to launch us into a place or a perspective Perspective of adoration, of reflection, of, of confession, and of gratitude. The objective as individuals, as couples, as families, as community groups, and as a church is to move from ordinary prayer to extraordinary prayer. Why? Because we believe that, that God is up to something in this weird moment in time. And, and we want to wholeheartedly respond to what God is saying and doing in this weird cultural moment in our history. Let's turn our attention to our verse for today. One verse, Matthew 6, verse 9. It's already been read. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'd like for us to consider four words today. Our Father, heaven, and hallowed. We'll look at those one at a time, but I think it will help us to understand the depths of what's there for us. And again, for so many of us, we've just raced through the Lord's Prayer. So we've said it so many times, we can hardly remember. And we tend to just jump over those words. So the word our. Last February, in our Back to Basics series, we spoke, I spoke about the visible church and the invisible church. Those are actual theological terms. The visible church includes every believer around the world who is alive today and who professes faith in Jesus Christ 
with evidence of that faith in their lives. Now, the invisible church is the church as God sees it. Now, that's a little scary in and of itself. The invisible church is consisting of all believers, past, present, and future, whose hearts are his. So the word our addresses the invisible church as a family. When we say our, we're we're thinking of this invisible church, past, present, future. Another implication of the word our, as one author put it, we have left the land of me and entered into the land of we. The Lord's model prayer begins with the acknowledgement that we have been invited out of our isolation and into both the joy and the challenge of community. This is, this is where we call to mind the Greek word for fellowship, koinonia, that I think, uh, we think that God is speaking to Community Covenant Church at this moment to, to deepen our relationship with God and with one another. Koinonia, deep and safe sharing of ourselves with other people. Some people find it helpful to think in terms of a cross, with our relationship with God as the vertical, and then our relationships with one another as the horizontal aspects of our faith. And and what it appears to be saying is, is that we can't have the vertical without the horizontal. Unless we see ourselves as part of a larger family of believers who acknowledge and desire to deal with our dysfunctions, I hope, we will have a limited or restricted access to the vertical. That's heavy. And I think that's really important. Let me take another run at it. It would be a betrayal to pray, my father, who is in heaven. For the prayer of Jesus, is it's not only a declaration of, of a heavenly parent, but initiates a new perspective of family, where we have left the land of me and entered into the land of we. Which, we're, which is why we're not in a, in a huge rush to get back to meeting on Sunday mornings. We have vulnerable people among us. We want to protect the spread of the virus. In this we land of promise, the God of the universe has, has reached down to us with an invitation to both know and be known. With the opening word, of the model prayer, Jesus is welcoming us into both the the visible and invisible community of active, intentional followers of Jesus. And Hebrews 2 talks about Jesus as our older brother. That brings us to number two, Father. Jesus and his contemporaries spoke Aramaic, not Greek, The the Aramaic word for father is Abba. 
Not the Swedish supergroup from the 70s. Abba was an Aramaic familial, affectionate phrase akin to our words uh, daddy or papa. Romans 8.15 in the New American Standard Version is an important passage that illustrates this. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And I always like to point out that when, when Paul uses the word sons, it's, it's not a sexist pronoun. Paul, Paul's writing elevates the role of women to that as co-inheritors. I wanted you to see that phrase, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. The phrase is really important. Galatians 4, 6 is similar. It says, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. The spirit who calls out, Daddy, Father. As I said, Abba approximates Papa or Daddy, which implies the unwavering trust of a child. I remember my kids when they were little jumping off the refrigerator or jumping off a wall or something. They, they had no hesitation. But the older they get, the more hesitation they had, right? So, Abba, unwavering trust on the part of a child. Father, on the other hand, expresses intelligent comprehension of the relationship, right? And so, when, when we put both of those words together, Abba, Father, they together reveal both the trusting love as well as intelligent confidence of a, of a secure son or daughter. And that brings us to number three, heaven, our Father who is in heaven. It may be helpful in thinking about, uh, thinking about prayer to view heaven more as a perspective rather than a physical place. Why? Because God is active and God is everywhere. The theological term is, is omnipresent. Always present everywhere is what that means. And God's omnipresence reminds us of his transcendent nature. Transcendence is also a theological and philosophical term referring to the relationship God has with creation. And God is wholly independent from creation. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 address this. Isaiah says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Oh, God says through Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The simple understanding of God's omnipresence and transcendence makes our privilege of approaching him intimately as a son, as a daughter, all the more humbling and, and all the more worship-worthy. Because God is omnipresent, you and I are never, 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 never alone. Number four, hallowed. 
the first thing Jesus tells us to ask God to do is to cause his name to be hallowed. What does that mean? The word hallowed means to make holy or to set apart. The word hallowed and holy come from the same Greek word. The phrase hallowed be your name is a plea that God would cause his name to be hallowed in our hearts and in the hearts of all people. That's what that means. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. When you and I pray, hallowed be your name, this is what we're praying for. Here's one of the most important concepts that we will ever hear about moving into extraordinary prayer. The first and all-pervasive, all-influencing, all-controlling concern in prayer is to plead with God that God would make his name supremely treasured, hallowed, in the minds and in the hearts of people. That's what that phrase means. As we make our way towards celebrating the Lord's Supper together, here's the bottom line. We don't need to make bigger commitments about prayer. What we really need is to think and then to believe truer thoughts about God. Worship helps our prayer life. Thoughts that are shaped by the gospel what Jesus Christ has already done on our behalf, to constantly go back to that place, what Christ has done. The virgin birth, miraculous ministry, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus is all designed to specifically and intentionally reconcile us to God. Prayer is the celebration of Reconciliation. If I I had to reduce everything I've just said, that's a one-liner. Prayer is the celebration of our reconciliation. If you'd like to know more about how to have a personal, passionate, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us, email us, Call us. We love to have an ongoing conversation with you about that. I want us to move. We want the staff, the elders, we we want to move from ordinary prayer to extraordinary prayer. As I, I mentioned earlier, God is up to something. He's pulled back the curtain on some stuff. In our own lives, maybe. In our own households, in our own church, and in our nation. And he's active and intentional in wanting to do some things. And we really, really want to be a part of that. And and an important part of that is our call to prayer, to move from ordinary to extraordinary. I hope you surrender into that. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to take two minutes to gather um, the communion elements, maybe go to the bathroom, whatever you need to do. Let me pray.
Lord, I pray for our nation. I pray that what we're going through as a nation, that you would speak into it, that you would open the eyes of our heart and cause us to see what you're doing, what you're about, how you wanted to bring change and healing and, and how you're wanting to, to, to deal with the church, to cut the fluff, to speak life and truth and love and care for all people. And so teach us how to pray, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name.